Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About, about time, time for True, true crime. crime. Hey. Hey. How are things? Things are good. I'm really excited right now. Why are you really excited Because right now? it's 7 p.m. and it's light out. I know. And I can see that it's light out and it's not going to get dark right away. And it's not going to be freezing and you don't need to like Ugh. defrost your whole fucking car. I know. I know. I'm so happy. This time of year, oh, it slaps. It it's really so good. does. I love the difference in a 50 degree day in the spring and the fall. Because in the fall, you're like, ooh, yay, finally chilly. Let me wear a sweater. And in the spring, you're like, oh, it's so hot. Can't wait to wear my dresses. There is something about people in New England. Yeah. With that, yeah, like 55, 60 degree day in like an April or a May. And that yes. one in like September or October. That we just eat it up. No matter what time of year. Nope. It's so exciting. It's either, ooh, fall fashion. Let me wear like a scarf and fucking like like three layers yes. and whatever and boots. And then in the fa- in the fucking spring, we're like, I'm going to wear my shorts and my tank top. Yes. And, and maybe I'll a little crop, go to the beach. <laughs> like, we're ridiculous. So I'm really excited because it's light out. But that's literally the extent. I'm, I'm boring. I really don't have a lot going <laughs> on in my life. <laughs> it's just work and sleep and sleep and work, right? It's, it is that. I'm just excited for summer and... I think I said before, my, one of my goals is to read more. Yes. So I have just purchased some books mm. that have been on my list to read. And I'm trying to read a little bit every day, even if it's just like a chapter, just to do something that's a little self-care. Even if it's like 10 pages. <laughs> Allie's Siri just fucking went ham. My watch. She was like, I didn't get that. I'm like, you weren't supposed to. So good. There's that. But anyway, Thanks. yes, I am trying to read and it sounds like I'm learning to read. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm really, I'm trying really hard to try to learn. To oh my gosh. So I love Broad City. It's a lot. It, it can be really obnoxious, mm-hmm. but it's really good for like stupid in the background. It's fun drunk TV if you're into that. Um, mm-hmm. Very good for the end of a night out. Like Broad City and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia are two that I love after a night out, but I can't always do on a normal day. Yes. But there's a Broad, ep- a broad City episode and Alana's like, Abby, seriously, if you don't read a book soon, you're going to forget how. <laughs> My roommate and I literally quoted that this week, but I think it's so good, especially now that we're out of school and it's not required anymore. Like finally getting back to it for fun. Oh, yeah. I miss that. Just being able and have it not be a textbook or something. Yeah. Yeah. But just getting to read something that I'm into. I'm just like shocker. I like either historically accurate books (laughs) or psychological thriller fiction. And I can go either way. I have fun with it. So that's mostly what I got is the latter, if you will. Yes. Um, But I'm excited. I'm excited for you and i'm excited for all y'all because Allie and i have been discussing potentially doing like our favorites book giveaways if you guys are interested in that of course it would be true crime or like a psychological thriller themed but let us know on your thoughts no promises we want to make sure it's something you're into we're not just gonna like chuck books at you if you don't want them but yes we both think it's fun and we both have good ones that you'd all probably like so yes no, for sure. That being said, 
I'm very excited because this means I get to hear about book plots through you. Yes. And then <laughs> I can just give you only the good ones. Yes. So, you know, if I read any duds, you don't have to be bothered with it. I love it. I like to read, but my... I don't know if it's a mix of the ADHD or like a sprinkle of the dyslexia or... Just a little sprinkle. A sprinkle. I mean, I've mostly grown out of it, but did you know that that's like super correlated with car sickness? I did not. Yeah. Had no clue. I had a ton of that as a kid. Just a sprinkle of the dyslexia, though. Well, all right. Yeah. Mostly mostly grew out of that one, but... It's so it's so it's so hard for me to get into books because I'm the kind of person that wants to be like, oh, I'll just read 10 pages a day if I can. Like if I don't have time for a whole chapter or this or that and then I forget what happened and I have to go back five pages. Then I end up reading everything twice and then I'm bored and then I don't want to keep doing it, but I can't remember what happened. So I have to reread some of it and it's it's a freaking mess. So (laughs) I was like that. I was like that, too, one day. No, um, but, (laughs) but like sometimes there are things where it's all or nothing for me. So like if I want to clean the kitchen, I'm not going to clean part of the kitchen. I'm either not going to clean it at all. Like I'm just going to let it sit in filth, which is really just like dishes and like crumbs on the floor, but whatever. Um, that bothers me. So I'll either do that or I'm going to clean it, but there is no in between. I'm not going to do just the dishes or just the, yeah, the crumbs or whatever. Like I'm either going to clean it top to bottom or I'm not going to do it. And I really life shouldn't be all or nothing like that, but for me it is with very particular things and for yes. me like with books, if I don't know in the next month or so that I'm going to have time to be able to read every day or I know the next few weeks going to be busy, I'm going to get discouraged and not want to read at all. Yes. Because I'm going to forget. Yeah. So I'm holding myself to it that I am going to read every single day, whether I like it or not. Yes. This bitch will be half asleep, but she will fall asleep with her book in her hands. Yes, she will. And still have to go back 20 pages and whatever. But I'm doing it. I'm I'm committing to it. I'm speaking it into truth. I'm it's this is fucking recorded. I love it. So you can, you know, harass me if I lie. Seth, who I love so deeply, he started doing that a few years ago and he actually is up to like 50 something books a year now, which is like one a week. That's hilarious. Mine's like, (laughs) I want to read like 10 books this year. I'm like, I need to find time to do this. My, my Mm. goals sit happy at like five to 10. Mm -hmm. I like to read. I just can't do it all that fast. And I have to find something that I really like that makes me want to read it. Yeah. If it's a shit book, it's a shit book. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. But he, yeah, he was like, boom, right through him. And oh my gosh, I love it. He posts his list every year. I'm like, holy crap, guy. So proud of you. That's very cute. I know. I miss him. Anyway, I love the reading journey. I love it. Well, I can't wait to tell you about books and things. I also can't wait to tell you about the case that I have today. Did you like that segue? That was such a good segue. Damn, are you a mall cop? (laughs) Yeah. That was smooth. Just call me ball. (laughs) Ball part. (laughs) Ball part. Ball part. Ball part. Mall part. (laughs) Yep. That's me. (laughs) Um, Fuck it. Yeah. You heard me. (laughs) All right. <clears throat> yeah tell me about your case paul blart mm, i will thank you um we said in the last episode because that one sent me reeling i needed yeah. a <laughs> few to relax after that yeah. one that was intense so i wanted to take a break from the like super like go 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 graphic horrific horrible heinous Sorry. what's lady gaga's thing it's like magnificent amazing <laughs> shit on it spit on it whatever <laughs> like whatever it is that she says drop dead 
beautiful. Like, <laughs> I wanted to just take a break. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that to sound disrespectful at all and that this yeah. is a lesser case. I don't mean that. But I mean, it's not jam-packed of like this horrific abuse with, with a, a child victim to go, you know, and then grow up to a offender. Yeah. Like, don't worry, I'm working on one of those and it's coming. Um, so this oh, is I'm so excited. We're not like waving that goodbye of like all the horrific shit. But I just, just thought maybe we could have a week where it just wasn't like beat you over the face with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is nice. I like that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from today. Again, not that this is lesser, not that this isn't haunting in a different way that we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's just not like gory. It's not gory and it's not one of those things that is so disturbing mentally that you're not going to be able to get it out of your head. Correct. Yeah. And this is, I mean, we're talking about a murder today, so let's not yeah. forget about that. It's haunting, but it's not intrusive haunting. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't think that, yeah. We'll we'll get there. There's there's creepiness. We're do y'all like how I'm saying this? I don't know what the she's fuck got we're no talking idea about. what the fuck we're about to do. But I just trust you. That's so sweet. <laughs> that is, oh <laughs> shucks, cute. Well, today, yes, I'm gonna break your trust. No, I'm just kidding. Oh shit. Um, but we are gonna <laughs> be talking about the murder of Delbert Schaefer. Delbert. Delbert, which was a name that I'm not too familiar with. However, he went by Del, so we're gonna call him Del. Okay. Okay. We're not. I know you were really excited for Delbert. I but really like the name Del. Delbert. He went by Del, and I will respect that. Do you think that hearing Delbert makes him think like, oh, I'm in trouble? Like me? Yeah. When yeah. you say my like full name, nope. It's like shivers. <laughs> shivers means I'm in trouble. So, first things first, I want to acknowledge our sources for today. Every damn time, baby. I will be entirely honest. There's very little information available on this case. Uh, most of the info that we're going to talk about today comes from interviews with the family members that are still with us and most of the interviews I mean there's certainly YouTube videos and stuff but a lot of it is just sort of like regurgitated information from an episode of a show that's called Evil Lives Here and Ooh. in that show they interview people who have lived with people who have gone on to you know do heinous things do evil shit yeah and talk about what it was like to live with them um and of course there's other cer- like sources here i used cinemaholic the morning journal news and other sources that you'll always find below girlfriend don't worry about it but the two interviewed the most in the episode of evil lives here that we're going to be referencing are deborah williamson and tom schaefer most of what we know about what happened is shaped by their experiences and okay. what they went through. And so the victim in this case is Del. Um, Debbie, Deborah, Deborah, Debbie, Deborah. is Del's ex-wife. Okay. And Tom is Del's son Aww. from a previous marriage, not Deborah's son. But we're yes. going to get into it. So let's go over some background information. Okay. Um, Del had previously been married and had three children from that relationship. Okay. He had two sons and a daughter. And we don't really talk about the daughter much in this. Not that she's not important, but she was not part of the interview process. And I got the sense that she didn't want to be. Yes. And so I'm going to let Respect her that. let her be there. Yeah. So the sons that we're going to talk about today are Tom and David. And their mother, for all intents and purposes, basically vanished from their lives. So the kids from a young age lived with Dell full time and they lived in Columbiana County, Ohio, more Ooh. specifically in Latonia, 
Ohio? That's from nearly my neck of the woods. Letonia? Letonia? Do you know? Letonia? I don't know. Do you know? Okay. Probably Letonia. That sounds more realistic, but (laughs) who knows? Dell was a police officer. He was working full time and he eventually made the detectives unit. So he had been in the... In that line of business for a He's while. He's a detective. <laughs> you would. Oh, it's been a while since we've had a dad joke here. That's true. We needed one. <laughs> while on the job, he actually met a woman named Debbie, which Debbie should sound familiar. Del and Deb. Yes. So Del and Deb met in March of 1978. Okay. She was working in the court clerk's office and she had recently divorced. She had two little ones of her Cute. own and professionally she got to know Dell, and she found him to be charming and personable and she's got the sense that he was a good guy she just liked yeah. him um you know they saw each other regularly she, he's a cop she's in the court's office like they're always crossing paths they yeah. kind of flirted a little bit and then it kind of got a little bit more serious and then they started dating and uh he kind of would like surprise her with flowers at work and mm. he it was very sweet Del. it was very sweet and um, after they had been dating for a bit, Dell was ready to take the next step. If you yes. he wanted to uh, get in her pants. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, he probably uh, wanted to introduce her to his kids. Okay. Um, again, he's the primary parent. In the interviews that I saw with Debbie, she didn't really go into like her co-parenting relationship with her ex or anything like that. But I mean, I know like when she came to move with them, so did her kids. Right. Um. But at first, he just wanted them to meet, you know, and Del had been divorced for a few years and the children didn't really have much in the way of a mother figure. Again, their mom had sort of split when the divorce happened and really didn't have a role in their lives. Um, And so upon meeting them, Debbie could kind of tell that they were longing for a mother because again they just they hadn't had one and two of Dell's kids were personable they were sweet they knew their pleases and thank yous and they were typical yeah but the third child David gave Debbie this like terrible feeling from the moment that she met him Ooh, David so Tom the other son that uh, was interviewed in this yeah was one of the ones that she got a good you know right typical happy warm and fuzzies yeah Yeah. which I mean kids aren't perfect they're certainly going to have their days but David was just a different level. Off. Yeah. Yep. And she felt that from the moment she met him. Mm-hmm. And Debbie and Dell dated about a year before they took an even further step. And that's when they all moved in together. Okay. And so all the kids are now under one roof. I like that they did that in that order, though. You know, introduce the kids, let that sit, let that simmer with them, get yeah. used to it, accustomed, and then, yeah. I like that. And with any change, there's an adjustment period. Absolutely. Um, But in this case, there was no adjusting for David. He was just, he didn't want to abide by rules. He was used to his dad being at work most of the time, kind of having like a free reign of what he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden there's this woman who your siblings like that you don't know why. And you don't want to listen to her rules. And she's trying to, like, she's got rules for her kids and the other kids. And you don't want to follow them. And he didn't and all right he wasn't used to having any kind of like accountability or structure or anything like that he didn't want to do his homework if he said no he wasn't going to do it right he didn't want to do his chores and 
he was incredibly dishonest like he was the kind of dishonest kid that didn't wear it on his face do you know what i mean i think that there's some kids that they they try to like tell a fib or something like that and it's so obvious they they get all nervous or they totally like fuck up their story by like the second line or like they get shameful and they're like they look all guilty and they're like just about to crack this kid scratch all of it he would lie to you as easily as look at you like it was nothing didn't care that's so stressful and she just said that she just got this this like gut feeling like he just didn't care there was no emotion there he was so detached it was it was just kind of wrong and evil and not good yeah she recalls thinking that david was a sociopath okay and that in situations that should have invoked some kind of emotion just didn't yeah they just didn't and she learned that she couldn't trust a word out of his mouth and she wasn't the only adult or the only person to know this about him really it seemed that everyone knew this except his dad oh interesting and we'll get there but he just wasn't kind to her or kind to anybody really And she just never felt quite right about him or around him, which was such a stark contrast from the older brother, Tom, and the little sister who were just very sweet, just typical kids. Doesn't mean they were perfect. Doesn't mean they never acted out, but it meant that they were typical, well-adjusted, for the most part, well-behaved kids. And Debbie remembers catching David in lies and confronting him about them. And she said it was as if he was staring right through her. Like, he wasn't even really looking at her. It was just sort of like that deadpan, dead behind that. Like, I always describe the eyes as shark eyes because they're just, like, almost black. Like, there's just nothing behind them. Like, you're reaching for emotion, but it just doesn't quite hit. Yeah. And, well, that's unsettling. And I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of someone like this. I have. Mm -hmm. And it is unsettling. It's Full body chills. It's kind of haunting. And it's just this weird withdrawn sort of stoic presentation but you know like that they can be explosive yes and it's kind of terrifying or when you see that affect on someone like they're showing emotion they're sad they're crying they're like but it's fake yeah and then they can flip it off where it's like you know oh my gosh i'm so sorry i shouldn't have done that i'll be better and then they know you didn't buy it and then you're like like okay so what about this thing that you lied about and they're like well you're not supposed to ask me about that and it's like "Mm, i am yeah so it's like yeah like the bullshit alarms go off if you will and with this kid absolutely so if you if me describing that made you think of anyone um i'm sorry uh yeah (laughs) but yeah it's i mean it's it happens and we're going to talk more about that so the kids get older other children handled all the adjustments pretty much in stride i mean of course there's growing pains but david was a lone wolf he didn't have many friends he didn't take to the family he didn't really take to anything he was mean to other kids his age. He was mean to his siblings. He was mean to really anybody that he could be. Mm. He looked for ways to stir the pot and he would bully anyone he could. He'd pick on them. He'd try to torment other kids. And of course, he just continued to lie and break whatever rules were put forward for him. How nice. Which he like, you know, very much didn't like. And um, in the show that um, I mentioned earlier, Debbie was describing a time with the family 
where David was inappropriate and I could like I could picture it mm-hmm. the way that this must have gone down but apparently the family they lived on a farm they had like a farmhouse and everything they had you know animals on the land and everything and mm-hmm. um they had a pig that they were raising to butcher but the kids had you know knew the pig the daughter yeah. especially like was attached to it she knew oh. it wasn't yeah, it's not a pet, but it's still, it's an animal. It's yeah, a living but being. It, and it was there all the time. And so she got accustomed to having it and she liked the pet and she, well, she treated it like a pet really. Um, and when it came time to butcher the pig, which like really upsets me that you like basically killed your family pet to me, but like whatever, that's, yeah, that's I'm just not built for that. Um, that's farming. But when it came time for that, it was kind of agreed that everyone, you know, she was the baby. They kind of told her he, like, they went to another farm or, you know, yeah. like the cross the rainbow bridge. Yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. she had the understanding that she wouldn't see the pig anymore and whatever. She came to terms with that piece. Yes. So then they're sitting at dinner. Oh God. And they were having pork, pork chops yeah. for dinner. And Debbie described it as like, she could see David, like almost get the idea and oh god he just basically he just blurted out like hey guess what you're eating no and told her and of course she's that's like, what would make me a vegetarian she lost it she was devastated she was upset yeah. she like storms off and everything and like it wasn't just like playing a prank on your sibling which i feel like is common but he got genuine joy out of the chaos he just Mm. enjoyed hurting her feelings and making her cry and then he like ate all happily good for him i guess and they were like why the fuck would you do that (laughs) he's like just a tuesday (laughs) but he like he just literally didn't care and debbie said quote he enjoyed anything that would upset somebody oh i was like ugh. Like, I hate those kinds of people. <laughs> that sucks. It's also just exhausting to be around. Like, have you ever been around someone who just won't let anything lay? Like, it's either got to be a huge thing that's exciting or, like, it's got to be terrifying. or like. And it's different than, like, rest. the Debbie Downer, like, Eeyore type. This is, like, yeah. instigating, fucking meddling. Ugh. And then getting all, like... What's the right word that I'm looking for here? It's not quite snide, but... I don't know just too excited to be like well you're not really mad are you like and it's like mm, no I'm kind of pissed you just told your sister that she's eating her favorite pig so mm. this isn't fun and they're like Haha, you're so mad and it's like yeah yeah just mm-hmm. getting joy out of thanks yeah. but he's just a shit and as he got older these little like tormenting behaviors just got worse right and he's you know just an ass put it that way so Debbie and Del get married Yay! They've been living together Deb for a and little Del. bit, and mind you, everyone's still living under the same roof. And for the most part, things are going well with everybody except David, because he's a little shit. And he was trying to cause issues in the new marriage between his dad and Debbie because he was oh so not happy about them getting married. And he began blatantly lying to his dad about things that Debbie did or said to cause fights. So sometimes he would tell his dad that Debbie gave David a punishment that was like so bad, like she hit him or she pushed him or one time like she locked him outside without a coat on, like bullshit lies and like sold it, sold the part. And the dad believed him and she's like, why would I do that? I didn't do that. Yeah. And he believed the son and he just and he knew that he'd be believed. David knew that his dad would 
believe him. Right. And so he would just purposefully cause a fight and then stay in the room as they fight and just sort of sit back and like enjoy the show basically get his popcorn out yeah and he would like literally have a smile on his face and Dell was no angel like when he thought that his son was being abused like he would yell in deb's face like he would push Ugh. her like he would be like did you put your hands on my kid like whatever yeah because david sold it well and i'll also say just from third party outside not knowing what happened with the first marriage it seems like he was with someone who he had children with who was not super invested in um, sustainable parenting methods, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I could totally see where he's on the defense already for his kids. Like he's already had to be mom and dad to these kids. Right. And there's a there's a protective element of it. And I think in any time that you have a blended family you know there's the yours mine and ours and how well that that all mixes really depends on the trust there right and whether Dell didn't trust debbie or was paranoid or whatever you know she's the primary parent home he's working long hours and things like that i mean his kids are entrusted with her right he's paying close attention to that obviously which i think you'd be stupid not to those are your kids Absolutely. i don't care who it is it doesn't need to be a step parent. It can be a bio parent to like abuse a kid. I understand paying attention to that, of course. Yes. But in this case, it was entirely unfounded. Right. He would cause a bruise on himself and then show it to his dad and say, look what she did to me. Ugh. And that was confirmed by other family members, too. It wasn't like she's like she's actually beating the shit out of him and then being like, he's right. lying about it. Like, that's not the case. And okay. I'm sure that that happens. And we should believe kids but in this case this is not the kid to be believed well the thing is when it's the truth there are always multiple stories to corroborate and everybody's truth looks a little different but the grand scheme of that runs through when it's honest mm -hmm. and so in this case he's like a compulsive liar and i don't i get the sense that with what dell did for work you know as a detective mm -hmm. he's literally paid every single day to be told bullshit yep he has lied to every hour time. of his work yeah and then he has to then sift through the bullshit to figure out what if any truth there is and move forward with the facts and so from what i could find he was excellent at his job he was missed after his passing and everything he was yeah. a very well respected intelligent valuable officer right and then you apply all of that skill and then you come home and no matter what, even if bullshit radars are going off, you believe your kid. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like everyone else could see through David's shit, but for some reason, the one who probably should have been able to detect it the most couldn't see it. So Del yeah. believed David. And oh. that's Del. just, that sucks. He, you know, I think that's very, it's very cute in that, like you want to be there for your kids. You want to be the best support you can be. But in the same breath, it's really sad because well, you and you can't have blinders on. You're, you're right now. You're enabling that. Now you're almost you're nearly encouraging it if you're not preventing it. If you're giving David exactly what he wants by giving him the grandeur scale of blow ups or animosity or anger or fights or whatever, that is fully encouraging it because that was the desired outcome. 
And David would like smile oh. when his dad would yell at Debbie. Just knowing he was causing an issue, knowing that he was like one step closer to getting her out because he just he hated her and he didn't like try to hide that. In fact, he told his brother Tom once that he hated Debbie and he like called her a bitch and things. And he's like, I'm going to make sure that she leaves. Was Tom like fucking why? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like he was he couldn't understand it. He's like, why, though? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she was the only mother that they really had in their life for a long time. Yeah. And she cared about them and loved them and, you know, gave them structure. And I'm, I'm sure it's one of those things where you hate it while you're, and you know, when you're a kid. Every, yeah. When you have no structure and then you get structure, no kid's like going to opt for structure. But later on in adulthood, when you can look back, you're probably you're like, like oh, thank that God was I the had right that. call. <laughs> yeah. And you know the it, shit just kind of hit the fan with him and he just he tried to do what he could to like instigate fights with her with other family members he stole money from her oh. and she caught him david and it was just like really unaddressed and so it, pretty much anything he did to isol- that he could do to isolate her yeah. he tried to do and then david became a teenager okay and his bio mom like re-enters the chat i guess and wanted to have a relationship with him and for some reason my understanding it was only david it wasn't the other kids but he went to go live with her for some time maybe because things were like stressful at home and he like you know hated debbie maybe he maybe it was all because he just wanted his bio mom back whatever it was uh they made arrangements and he went to go live with her for some time okay and while david is away like the wounds seem to heal with all the other family members like everyone's getting along well people are like coexisting like family is going well you know and debbie would only hear about david not talk to david like Dell would have obviously talked to him on the phone and check in and you know i mean that's still his kid but like it wasn't like he lived there and there was such a relief with that yeah and then in the late 1980s, Dell's oldest son Tom moved to Pennsylvania. He was okay. in his early 20s, um, and by that time, David was too. I believe David was the middle child, and Tom was a little bit older. Okay. Um, and so when he moved out to Pennsylvania, David was like, "I'll move out of my mom's house, and I'll go out there too." Oh, okay. So the brothers reconnected. They hadn't really seen each other from for some time, and so yeah, I don't know. They were. They moved from Ohio to Pennsylvania and yeah. And in 1991, Tom received a call from law enforcement. Okay. And he was asked how many firearms David would have access to. That's comforting for a call. Correct. And so Tom was like, uh, what? And they're like, well, David got in an argument with somebody over like nothing over like chum change or something. Yeah. And the argument got so heated that David just, like, pulled a gun on him and threatened to shoot him and, like, chased him with it, basically. Holy cow. And it wasn't a gun that he was supposed to have. And they were like, yeah, well, anyway, uh, he's arrested. So you've got that going for you. And Tom was completely caught off guard because he had thought that David was doing well and things were kind of getting better. Mm. He, you know, he'd been getting into trouble, whatever, and made the family home like hell with all the chaos and everything but he thought like after he'd went to live with the mom things might have gotten better things like that he might have grown out of it 
he had been working I think for like a construction company or something and like I don't know he had full-time work he was kind of you know paying his bills shit was going well he thought you know how did this happen yeah and so yeah that that just really wasn't it and really he didn't have his shit together he just had a a violent outburst and was dumb enough to um pull a gun on somebody basically so david gets released from jail and he didn't have anywhere to go okay so tom opens his home to david so wait david and tom were both living in pennsylvania not together not together but they were both there yep do we know what happened to david's house or living no, arrangements? I, no idea okay he might have been living with somebody or something but the two of them weren't together because when david got out of jail he needed somewhere that he could go to like get back on his feet and tom invited him to come live with okay. him and so Ugh, what a good brother the issue was is he's tom. like yeah you can kind of like get back on your feet and everything and then david was like yeah cool and he went to live there and then he made no effort to get back on his feet like he didn't try to get a job he didn't try to do anything he literally just sat around all day like probably chain smoking and watching tv like that was the extent of it meanwhile tom's like going to work and like keeping the roof over their heads and he's like what are you doing stop freeloading off family (laughs) and so the the way that david got by was just borrowing money from other family but the person who gave him the most money was his dad Dell? of course so he's like why would i get a job when i'm dad's gonna pay me yeah like no so david told his brother like completely out of left field that when their dad died he was gonna get what was owed to him david what the fuck he's like th- like just yep well when he's dead i'm gonna get it and it's like he just felt so entitled to his all of his dad's stuff and like he felt anger and resentment toward his dad unjustifiably really but he's like this is owed to me and as soon as he's gone i'm gonna take it and i'll finally get what's mine and just to be clear like this wasn't a conversation that like they kind of sat down and talked about plans and you know it's not like Dell was like this is where i want things like this was just the two of them completely out of nowhere talking about looking forward to his dad dying so he can get the shit he wants most importantly like hunting gear and like gadgets and money and like all kinds of stuff he's like yeah that'll be mine and tom's like okay like why that makes my heart so sad (laughs) so tom felt that this was just like cold and detached and like had no bearing in their conversation and completely out of the blue and inappropriate and made him question like why he would mention that in the first place and uh in the show tom had said quote he schemed and plotted he looked around and saw what my dad had and thought this should all be mine how do i get it oh which is like ugh. so after 20 years of marriage debbie and Dell get divorced holy cow Things hadn't been going well for a while, and honestly, I get the sense that the sense of Dave, like the the stress of David's lies and all of the drama, just sort of caught up with them. Probably mostly Debbie. When they divorced, Debbie thought that she was finally rid of David. Right. She's like, well, at least she's like, ew, David, ew. <laughs> um, no, definitely get not. Out. David Rose is so much better than David Shaver. So much better. Um, but like, ew, David, get out. Yes. Ew. ew. I hate you. So, 
basically. So she's like, all right, well, at least I don't have to deal with him anymore. Right. But she was wrong because in the divorce, the Debbie got the family home, which oh, meant fuck. that David would know how to find her, how to reach her. He also knew um, like the layout of the house because he fucking grew up there and whatever. So then he would call in the middle of the night to wake her up and he would threaten her over the phone. David. I know. So one night he called like while she was asleep and it woke her up and she answered it. And he told her that he was going to kill her horses, which were on her farm. Oh my and then kill her next and then hung up. And she said it took her a moment to even register what she heard. I mean, anything that someone says to me in the first 10 minutes of me being awake, do not anticipate that I will remember that. Anything anybody says to me before my coffee is empty, do not anticipate that I will remember so that. I imagine her answering the phone being like, did I just hear that right? <laughs> okay. Something about my horse? Like what? So you come into she, my house on the day of my she definitely <laughs> again caught off guard, but yeah. was like, "Wait, did I? What the fuck?" So, <laughs> and then she's kind of thinking like she lives on farmland. There's no neighbors on either side for quite a bit of space, you know. Mm-hmm. She's a single woman in her fifties. She's got this house to herself. There's nobody else living there. Yeah. So she's alone. And when he called, she doesn't know where he is. So is he just outside? Yeah. Is he already in the house? She's like a half hour. A state away? Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a half hour out of like town. She knows it would take at least a half hour for like police to get there. And she's terrified. She's like, what the fuck? So luckily she's got a gun of her own, like for her own protection. And she's like clearing her house, basically. Like she's like checking all the windows and looking over her own shoulder in her own home and like i imagine she's like checking make sure like the windows are locked and like the doors are and checking them twice or three times or four times rooms are empty before you close the door and i'm sure she hears a noise and is like what the hell which just like brings me back to your case last week which is still throwing me (laughs) um hearing a noise in the home but she's terrified because she knows that he knows the layout of the home like there's nothing about him getting in there that's going to be surprising right you know so then he calls again and this time he didn't make any threats which was good oh but he made some really creepy gross noises which was bad ew and then he did it again and again ew and again and she's like freaked out because ew so weeks went by and she's still looking over her shoulder and she's wondering if David's going to come after her or really when. Yeah. And I have to say here that this woman is brought to tears several times during her interviews mm-hmm. by just the fear that she had of David. Even talking about him as a child, she just talked about that like haunting feeling that she got yeah. and that it stuck with her her whole life and like this woman does not i did not get the sense that she's like a crier and she's crying also if you work in the courts and with a police officer just the things that you see the scale the Mm -hmm. uh, you know how things can escalate yeah absolutely you really you do get to see all sides of people good bad and ugly in that job and to have all of that right at arm's length 
where you clock in mm-hmm. and do 40 hours a week and then to come home and be that much more impressed upon mm-hmm. by a child. Yeah. That's yeah. heavy. That's Terrifying. saying something. So after David had been creepily calling her, Ew. she Was got he some like doing the thing gross noises on the phone. Um, She didn't specify. Okay. My guess is just like making really weird noises that just like sound scary. But okay, uh, like I don't. In my head, I'm replacing all of the icky, gross noises with. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> That's what I think he's doing. That's what's in my head now. Is that a good thing? It's a lot better than what it was. Okay, well then we'll take it. We yeah. will. We will embrace it. So he's going roar, roar. <laughs> you can hear the XD. XD. <laughs> Yeah. No, I hate that. Okay. Um, so whatever weird noises he was... Maybe he was like burping the ABCs. I have no <laughs> idea. But after all of that stopped, Debbie finally got some good news. David had been arrested. Hooray. And though it wasn't for his torments toward her, he had been caught breaking into people's homes and like stealing from them. So he actually was charged with 13 burglaries. <laughs> David. And was sent you David and was Sorry, sentenced that's ridiculous. 13 lucky 13 and sentenced to six and a half to 33 years in prison <laughs> and so she felt relieved that he couldn't make threats toward her anymore right. she's like all right at least he's not like driving by my house every night or calling me I mean at least like if it's a call it's gonna be like this is a collect call you know whatever it was do you like accept the call and it's like yeah and he's like you're <laughs> 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 so she just she felt a little bit of comfort knowing that he was away even if though it wasn't like for the harassment at least it was something she at least had six and a half to 13 years of peace well see the thing was presumably she she only had the six and a half years because in six and a half years he was released just the way because aren't they always model prisoners when there are no women to harass yes or be violent against well he was paroled and not only that he didn't go to a halfway house like many parolees. He actually went to live with his dad because Dell had offered, encouraged, what have you, that he don't go to a halfway home, that he come to live with him and he can help him and he can help him get on his feet again and all of this stuff. Like, he's still advocating for his son, like, yeah. decades later, even though this guy's a psycho, but whatever. And for Debbie, this was, like, a little too close for comfort because... Even though they'd been divorced for years, they still lived in the same area. So it was like David being out and not under the supervision of like a halfway house or something like just living with Dell was like less than an hour away. Right. So he could still be at her doorstep when he wanted. Whenever he wanted. The other thing about it would be I can imagine if you were married to someone for 20 years, so long as it was not a harrowing divorce there's probably still a bit of a relationship there and not like romantic or anything but i can assume living with someone talking to someone every day for 20 years doesn't end overnight i can't imagine that it does like they're still probably they still have all of the same memories you Mm -hmm. do for the last two decades like there's i don't know i just there's also i in my head there's got to be some extra connection there besides just two exes in the same town Mm -hmm. With a son who hates you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's terrifying. Well, and maybe that's how she knew that he was going to live with him in the first place. But right. At Dell's house, he'd already remarried. So yeah. he'd had, I, 
she was just described as a quiet woman. I, I really couldn't find anything about her, but he, just the way he was living, you know, he was with her and whatever. And, um, David got, you know, out of prison and he's living with them and things are supposedly going well. And then on January 14th, 2018, mm-hmm. Debbie gets a text from Dell's new wife and it says he's gone. And she figures out what that meant. So Dell had been found sleeping on the couch in the family's home in the living room and he wouldn't wake up. No. Guess who found him? Who? Your face, dude. You're like, don't tell me. Who? <laughs> you know Oscar. <laughs> Where was it, Dwight? Where? Where, Where? Where was it? Where, Dwight? <laughs> You want you already know. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> um, that's the look. If anyone wanted a visual, that's what Abby's face looked like to me. But anyway, it was David. Yeah. It was you, David. Um, David had called nine one one saying that he'd found his dad ice cold and that he wouldn't wake up. And he sounded so matter of fact, like there was no sadness or panic. Hello, nine one one. My father is cold. And he's like, my father is deceased. No, but like he just he sounded very again devoid of um, and. Those things are always tricky because you can't say this is how you should react and this is how you shouldn't. Like we talked for like an entire what hour once about the nine one one call from the Ramsey family, yeah, and they were panicked, and we picked that apart, you know, because there's things that you they're like, why would you say that or why would you say it that way or why did it sound like that or things right. like that that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in these situations, and I understand that. But in this case, he literally didn't give a shit. <laughs> and so that was concerning. Del Schaefer was 71 years old when the paramedics confirmed that he was dead. And it was assumed that Dell had passed of a heart attack. I'm really not sure why they thought that, but they figured he had passed away in his sleep, like napping or something. And he was brought to the funeral home first. Oh, okay. And Debbie had called Tom to see how he was doing after the news, and he hadn't even been told yet. What? Like, Tom... Debbie thought that David had called Tom to let him know that his... that their dad had... Yeah, you fucking... Because he was the one that found him. And Debbie found it afterwards. So she called... You know, she was making her rounds, checking on everybody, basically. how are you? And she's asking Tom how he is, and he's like, why? And so she ended up being the one to tell him even though it shouldn't have been that way yeah that was not her job and so then tom calls david to check on him to see how he's doing after finding their dad dead and Mm -hmm. then the first and only thing that david said to his brother was along the lines of like i bet you're just calling to find out how much money you're getting and tom was like no, no, I want to know what the fuck happened to my dad. You're the one that found him. And the, hey, like, why are you talking about not it like that? All of us are that way. And David's like, yeah, well, anyway, I I found him dead anyway. So back to the money. I'm the sole executor um, of his will and it cannot be contested. What? Yep. Says fucking who? Anything can be contested. Nope. Uh, no, it actually really couldn't because it was in writing that it could not be. So, um, that was the end of the conversation. He was, um, very adamant that that was the end of the conversation. David was. I'm sure he was. He's like, yeah, I'm not talking about how he died. I'm just telling you that he is dead, but also I get all the shit and you can't do anything about it. So don't ask any questions, please. And thank you. Goodbye. So 
Now the family takes a look at this will because they're like, what in the world? And Mm -hmm. it was weird. The will left everything to the, quote, beloved son, David, which anyone who knew Dell knew that that wasn't how he spoke. That's not what he what he would have written. And he would not have written his other children out of his will for no reason. And likely not the ones that weren't just in prison for six and a half years. Yeah. Um, did, it did seem fishy. And Dell had a career in law enforcement. And I didn't know the man, I have to say. But um, I don't imagine that he was, like, super prideful that his son was in prison from, like, stealing from people. Yeah. And had a violent streak and, like, and like threatened not- people and was mean to people. Yeah, and not for nothing, you can love your kids and not believe they're making good choices when they're doing things that actively conflict your morals. And not thinking that, like, I don't know, everything you own should be left to them. Allie and I talk a lot off of this podcast about a lot of things. Do we talk a lot? Off of this podcast? We literally never fucking shut up. We (laughs) never shut up. (laughs) That's unfortunately true. Um, but we talk about a lot of things, one of which just being, you know, a lot of the, I, I want to say like human condition just for a general term. But one of the things we talk about is how with every generation, you know, there's this sort of hope that each generation surpasses the last in some way, right? You grow in a different way. You learn something new. You discover something. You create some whatever. Anything that's growth is sort of what we anticipate parents hope for their kids, that kids hope to eventually create and develop and establish one day. But there's something... There's something about being that child as an adult that I could... I just don't... I don't have it in me to want to take advantage of anyone in my family, specifically not my parents, who did so much for me to get me to where I am right now. That just kept him out of a uh, fucking halfway house. But right. Okay. Right. Here. You know what? I'm sure he was at a time where he would have loved to be an empty nester and not have his kids living with him. Mm-hmm. But he said, no, no, no. Don't do that. Come come back home. Come live home. Yeah. So. Sorry. That really pisses me no, off. It, I just. I don't do so well with entitlement. and so wrong. And <laughs> or murderers. And well, yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. Anyway, okay. you're ahead of me. Sorry. No, don't be. He totally killed him. Um, <sighs> what a dick. So the funeral home is preparing the body again. He wasn't brought to like the hospital or anything. Mm-hmm. They sort of written it up, which I is fucked, but whatever. They bring him to the funeral home, and while they're preparing the body, they're like, "This was not a natural death. There's like trauma here. There's injury here," <laughs> and so they sent the body for an autopsy. Good. And it was revealed that he had been beaten to death. And um, it was officially declared a homicide. Huh. And then the investigation began. So uh, the episode showed Debbie basically like reading parts of the autopsy report. I don't know if they like handed it to her to read it. You know, like she's getting emotional and everything. But I want to include what the injuries were. Um, That said six strikes to the face, two strikes to the back of his head, six broken ribs, a fractured sternum. And he laid for hours in pain until he died. Holy fuck. Like, he was incapacitated, but in pain and alive and feeling that. And left there, left there to die. And 
David waited until he was dead and then waited till he was like cold and then called. But anyway, after Dell died, $500 was withdrawn from his bank account. I'm sure it and was. And then 911 was called. And I believe it wasn't like a phone transfer or anything like that. Like my understanding of it is that it was literally like a physical withdrawal. David went to go withdraw the cash, got the cash, came home and then made the call. So what the fuck? It was at this time that the whole family began to like actually consider the possibility that David murdered his dad for no fucking reason. And that's when Tom confronted him about it. And he, you know, was like, these are the injuries that he sustained. What happened? And David was like, well, I think he fell outside. Like, he must have fallen in the snow. Mind you, it's January. So he's like, he fell in the snow. And he's like, he did not fall in the snow. Like, that did not happen. You don't break six ribs, have six beatings to the face. Did he fall from the roof? Like, what what are you talking? He didn't like, this wasn't a slip and fall, okay? Yeah. Something happened here. And Tom was getting pissed that he... He was being lied to and he knew it. And he, like, did not want to accept the fact that his brother could do it. So he was giving him, like, every opportunity to, like... Right. Just be honest or, like, to say any other facts or, like, what could have happened? Or, did like, did you notice anything? Did anybody... Like, who could have done this to him? Whatever. Yeah, every opportunity to backtrack and come up with a better story. But David was the only one home that day. He was the one to find him and he was the one to call 911. So, of course, Tom's like, you're the only person I can ask about what happened. And... When he asked him that, David told him David told him to shut the fuck up and never talk to him about it again. No, you shut the fuck up, David. What happened? So, like, of course, they narrow in on David for all the reasons we've just talked about. There was no one else around. Could have, couldn't not have been him. The will just, just so happens to be edited so that everything's left to him. He was a greedy fuck from the beginning. Right. And now the investigators knew that Dell was a hunter. And that he had owned guns. And David was asked where those guns were because, you know, he was the one that was home and they couldn't find them. And he said that his dad had gotten rid of them before they d- before he died. So they weren't in the family anymore. He didn't know where they ended up. But they got a search warrant and found that uh, that was a lie. The lie, the lie detector, detector determined <laughs> that, that was a lie. was a lie. So yeah. David had the guns hidden in storage and had basically stolen them from his dad and david was a convicted felon and should not have been in possession of a firearm so he was arrested for that right off good and now that they had a little bit of leverage they were able to kind of use that like they've already got him on something so now he's detained and you know they can talk to him but david didn't quit like everything out of his mouth was a lie just had as it had been when he was a kid and he's like this older man like in his 40s Get your shit together, David. Just being oh like, my gosh. I have no idea what happened. He must have fallen. He really must have fallen. Like, not really emotional. He's like, I understand this looks bad for me, but really, like, I didn't do it. And that was it. He would give them, like, nothing. But the evidence was stacked against him. Um, and David knew that he wouldn't do well with a trial, so he accepted a plea instead. And this plea, and this tr- drives me nuts, was... Uh, a plea of voluntary manslaughter and he was only given a sentence of 14 years the fuck 14 one four for beating a man to death for letting the, him for die. the murder of the man who raised him 14 years and david was quoted as and this really pisses me off um <clears throat> he was quoted as saying i'm not an angry man i'm not a violent man 
What happened is a terrible, tragic, and awful accident, and I just ask for mercy and understanding. The fuck you do? No. I'm so mad. How's that? I'm How's so that? mad. How's that? No. Fuck you. Um, I'm sorry. You know what I would an ask? An accident? That, A, I don't think it's an accident if you leave someone to die after beating them to death, but also... Dare I say, you should have to do a whole hell of a lot more than 14 years for that. Like, I'm thinking at least one year for every year that Dell raised David and, like, fed him and housed him and supported him. And then also maybe a murder sentence that actually looks like a murder sentence. He killed his dad. And he was the only one. He was the only adult that, like, believed him. And again, like... And unfortunately him, enabled him for him, advocated for him, like probably got a divorce because of the issues that David caused in his marriage from his lies. And I mean, I'm not saying that Dell was like this perfect, excellent man. And, and, you know, people are flawed. That's not what I'm saying. But the only person that was in his corner for better or for worse was his dad. And that was the one that he felt resentment toward the most and was like, I can't wait for him to die so I can get his shit, which he made the mistake of telling his brother about. And then, of course, he dies and, oh, he just happens to have left everything in the will to him. Yeah. Please. Mm-mm. Please. So, kind of uh, in the same vein that you were counting on, uh, the judge had something similar to say. So Good. The Morning Journal News quoted Judge Bickerton, who had presided over this case, as saying, if he had gotten medical treatment, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know if he would have survived, but you didn't give him a chance. Damn. And it's true. Yeah. If he had sustained those injuries and then immediately 911 was called, like, who knows? Yeah. But we don't know. And that's the thing. That's the piece that gets everyone. He just lay there in his own home. Yeah. On his own couch, having been beaten by his own son to just expire. That's so awful. Yep. And... David is currently serving time in an Ohio prison, but he's due to be released in 2033 to live among the rest of us. And to me, and I just have to say, this case is like a terrifying reminder to trust your gut. The show Evil Lives Here is just really a retelling of experiences from the people who lived with one or even multiple people who committed heinous crimes and in that show, and I'd recommend it. Um, yeah. It can be a child, a parent, a sibling, a roommate, whoever it is. But so many times the people that live with them speak on wishing they had trusted their gut. Yes. Feeling that they could sense something. There was just something off, but nothing was so blatant, like flashing lights in your face to run or to do something or to move or whatever. Remove yourself that you just don't. And luckily for Debbie, she got away, I mean, the trauma of it, of course, but he didn't kill her. But she said that while he's alive, she will not feel safe. Yeah. And in 2033, her life's going to change all over again because he's going to be out. What do you do with that? (sighs) I honestly think that it should... There should be some legislation around how close you can live to victims once you're out. Can she get a restraining? Like, how old would that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things, but, like, 
again, this one didn't have all of the, like, brutality and, and all. Of, I mean, of course, this is brutal, but I mean, the gruesome, graphic, gory yeah. aspect. That's a lot of Gs. <laughs> gruesome, gory, gothic, gorilla, but spelled with the E-U-R, like, warfare. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> I like it. Well, but, you know, Gnarly. it's just a different kind <laughs> <laughs> it is just a different kind of fucked up yeah and we all know someone like this mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's like your closest friend because you're probably not close friends with anyone ideally like this. you're not close friends with well, anyone no, because like this. typically people like that can't maintain friendships they're not people that other people want to be friends with but the idea that there are lots of people like that and a lot of them don't cause any harm to anybody yeah it's just it's just the way that some people are but in this case he was all malice all the time. And, you know, misery loves company. So look out for groups of people like that, too. But but he was a kid, knowing that he was like that. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just a gut feeling. And I think that it's important to trust that. Like, we have it for a reason. We developed that for a reason. It's instinctual. But I also think... For me personally, something that has always felt really relieving for stuff like that is just to be able to talk about it to people, Mm -hmm. find someone you trust, get yourself an alley, and just, you know, end up with, like, chatting about it. You're going to make me cry. Having the names and the faces known, and then that way, if some shit happens, you can be like, ha, I told you. And if nothing (laughs) happens, you can be like, okay, at least someone else is watching out for that name to pop up, just (laughs) in case. Like... (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes it is. It's nothing. Sometimes you just get the skeeves and it could be a whole bunch of different reasons why. But there are many times that it is absolutely for a reason and you should listen to that gut ASAP. You should. And like for Debbie, I mean, she loved the man and she loved the other kids. And it's just this one kid. And he dedicated like his childhood to like fucking with her. And not just her. I mean, other family and other people, too. But But a lot with her. (laughs) But he was just mean. And some people are just mean it that doesn't mean that they're beyond repair or can't change but they have to want that and if, yeah. in this case david didn't want that he didn't want to change anything he didn't so of course that's how what happened like what do we think yeah so i thought this case was um just a different kind of fucked up murder case yeah. that i felt like we needed sad that it was predictable but unfortunately yes. predictable well yeah. it was also in the title but you know how it is um <clears throat> well well, but no, seriously, I mean, I don't think anybody knowing how David operated would have been, I mean, of course, probably floored that he'd kill his own dad or kill anybody, but right to continually, you know, participate in criminal behavior, I don't think was earth shattering yeah. for anybody to hear that, you know, that he would continue to do that where he didn't really feel remorse or regret or anything. Really, he was just remorseful and regretful. He got caught. Yep. I, it makes me upset to see specifically that typology of an offender get such a short sentence. That really bothers me. And I know that it was a plea deal. I know that they had to do and something. Maybe, but like, maybe he's tried to escape or do something where he's like getting time locked on. But I freaking hope so. Honestly, I feel like in this day and age, people's sentences aren't getting any longer. They're nope. getting shorter. 
And, and so, you know, he'll be, he could be among us by 2030. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, hell, 14 years. Could be seven years. You know, who knows? So, I don't know if Ohio has like mandatory minimums or anything like that, or or if he can reduce his sentence based on good behavior. You know, I I would have to look into that more. But I mean, at the end of the day, he killed his dad over possessions. Also, I think it's important to note just because this is something that we can all pay attention to and do our part with. But keep an eye out on legislation. Stuff like this does impact you. It impacts your community. It impacts your home. If there is legislation about sentencing, about um, incarceration as a whole, what that looks like, what alternatives for corrections that your community puts forward, look it up. Get into it. Because it's your home. It's your town. It's your space. Absolutely. And you deserve to be able to have a say in how that goes. And, you know, yes, incarceration costs money every day that we keep people in there. And there are people that don't deserve to be there for as long as they are or at all. I mean, hello, we have a whole registry of exonerations. But there are also people that absolutely deserve to be incarcerated for that long. And there are victims that deserve to be advocated for victim witness advocates are there for a reason. And a lot of times prisons will hire them to call families of victims or to call victims to say, hey, your offender is getting moved to this prison or is going to be released into the community around this time or is released. Here's this like town where they're staying in so that you have a right to know where the person you were protected from is. And, you know, not like a GPS constant 24-7 update, but enough I feel like if there's enough of a case to claim that you were victimized, there should be enough of a case to claim that you deserve a basic level of protection from that person when you're claiming that their corrections are as complete. I just pulled up the Ohio State Prison Inmate Locator. Hell yeah. So I have David M. Schaefer pulled up here. Um, and really, I mean, it It says what it says. Voluntary. I think his middle name is Michael. Could be. But it says oh, voluntary manslaughter, first degree felony, yes, weapon under disability, um, and tampering with evidence. Those are his charges. But I can't find, like, sometimes they'll have an estimated release date or something like that. Oh, yeah. Or, like, yeah, like anticipated release date or, like, earliest release date. And I don't see that on this, at least. Okay. Um. But just confirming right now that he is a current <laughs> inmate. Love it. Um, Actually, his birthday just passed. Well, happy belated, David. I hope you sit there for a whole bunch more. Yeah, April 13th. So we've wow. got that going for us. Ooh. So hope it was a shit time. Yeah. And for the rest of you, I hope that you... Let this ignite a little bit of a fire under your butt. Just pay attention. Yeah, go ahead. Know what's going on. You know? And hey, who knows? Maybe if there was like a policy or a law that was, or, you know, a bill that was being attempted to be turned into a law came up about, I don't know, the consequences of murdering your own caregiver, like the inability to take a plea deal if the person that you murdered was 
responsible for you coming into this world. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's worth looking at. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a democracy. You let me know. You take a vote. Oh, they have it right here. I was an idiot. 2-15-33 is his expected release date slash parole eligibility date. So that's parole eligibility. Then he would have to have a parole hearing, which, by the way, people can speak at. And well, But he will. I mean, this is his release date. That that would put him at the 14 years. So he, yeah. he'll be getting out then. Um, it was right in front of me. And I'm like, they normally have one, but they don't. <laughs> I do that all the time. <sighs> Ugh, but you guys, what? What the fuck? What do you guys think about this? I'm annoyed. Let us know. We'd love to hear it. I'd love if you would like email us and I'll tell you how you can do that. You ready for it? Yeah. Oh my. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you would email us at mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. time. Yeah. The number four. Ooh. TC. You are grossing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. Grr. I can't even rawr, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, oh Ooh. God. She's going <laughs> to snort. I can hear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did that for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it's, stop it. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> They're going to be like, the email is about time for rar rar snorker. Um, okay, you guys, seriously, listen. Seriously, start over. <clears throat> about time, the number four, TC at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, TC at gmail.com. We would very much love for you to send us what you think about this case sorry you guys i'm laughing so hard you know it's like when the teacher tells you that you can't laugh anymore and it just makes it that much fun i covered her face like i put <laughs> my hand over like in front of her face so i couldn't see her so i wouldn't laugh through it and there she goes talking about it and so how? here we are um please email us tell them how they can get to our instagram page maybe yeah if you guys wanted to see pictures of the people the places the things that we're talking about go check out a funny true crime meme or look for resources for you or places that you can donate that victims families and victims themselves are excited about and want to help out mm-hmm Please consider doing that through our Instagram. You can find that on Instagram. You go to that little like search bubble and then you need to look up about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that is A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long and you know that. that so stop was. asking. Seriously. But once you're there, you can look at all the pod pets. You can send us pictures of your pod pets. Oh, do we love the pod pets? If you're looking at it in their little show notes, because all of that was like a whole jumble and it's down there and you know that, you could also maybe check out like our Spotify or our Apple and leave like a little rate and review. Oh my God, we'd consensually kiss you from afar. Oh my gosh, so much right on the little nose. Mm -hmm. Such a little boop and like a little... Right there. right there. Only if it's consensual. Stop taking it if it's not consensual. And Block it's also it. like f- from afar. So yes. like no no risk of anything. Like we're like all no, the just way over here. here. Yep. Um, so all the love. We would love if you do that. It really does help us. And we are so appreciative for all of you. We've been hitting some big little benchmarks here in we really our have. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> downloads and just our ATFTC fam. And we love you guys so much. So that helps us give back to you. It helps you guys give back to us, which hopefully you want to do because we just love you so dang much. 
I know I'm gonna get like all emotional. I know I can't think day. about it, or I am gonna what be really sad. What a weird mood we're in. Um, we are sorry, you guys. We are in rare form. I feel like we kind of are, yeah. But um, we appreciated you guys like hanging out with us on this ride. You guys can like unbuckle, stretch your legs. Oh yeah. Um, um, stand up. Feel you know. Drink your water. I mean, do all the things. Oh, you drink know? the water. Ooh, girl, hydrate or dehydrate. Um, but. Yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And if I take a quick little gander at my watch, oh, I believe would you look at that? <laughs> that that was <laughs> about time for true crime. Bye. Later. You did. You did.